0: Good afternoon. How is everyone? You good? Are you going to fall asleep on me? I'm going to call you out if you do. I always say that. I'm just kidding. (laughs) So we just had Thanksgiving. As always, I'm always blessed to be up here and and present um, what God has laid on my heart. So I just thank you for for being here this morning. Um, And we'll we'll just dive right in. I I don't want to keep you too long, but... I do want to walk us through um, some scripture, and we are going to be talking about the very thing that we celebrated on Thursday. Can anybody tell me what that was? Yeah. Thanksgiving. Turkey Day, right? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> football. Football. Uh, well, yes, there were some games. I don't even think I paid any attention to the football games. If the Niners are not playing or the Warriors aren't playing, I don't care. All right. I did see the Warriors, though, on Wednesday uh, for their record uh, that they... 47 assists. Obviously, I'm a fan. Okay. Get into the word. All right. Um, so we're going to be talking about gratitude today. Um, if you're writing anything down, uh, the title really is Cultivating a Heart of Gratitude. And if you look at my subtitle, Cultivating a Heart of Gratitude is the main part, and then if you have a subtitle, which sometimes we do, um, it's how do we give thanks when things just aren't going our way, Okay. okay? So cultivating a heart of gratitude, how do we give thanks when things just aren't going our way? How many of you feel like you have the perfect life? Everything is just great all the time, you have everything you want and you need, I didn't think so. All right. Um, I'm going to read a text for us. We're going to be walking through a few scriptures, but um, I have a main text for you. Um, I don't have my glasses today, so if you see me squinting down at this baby phone of mine, um, it's because of that. Um, we're going to be looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians, um, chapter 5. And we're going to be focusing on verses 16 through 18. Many of you know them. Um and then we'll we'll kind of unpack a few things when we look at gratitude. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going to read it for you, and then we'll, we'll we'll backtrack and talk a little bit about some context, and then keep going there. It says this. Everybody there, or you see it on the board. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right. So if we look at this, um, we're seeing that Paul wrote um, the letter to the church at Thessalonica, hence the book of Thessalonians. Um, and so if we look at the letter in a, in a whole, as a co- in context, as a whole, the first letter, um, the letter really is bearing witness to the glorious reality um, that the gospel is the power of God. For salvation to anyone who believes. If anybody knows that verse, that's from Romans. So in Thessalonians chapter, excuse me, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul can't stop rejoicing that the gospel has come to the Thessalonians. Okay? In word, in prayer, and with powerful conviction by the Holy Spirit. So we also see, and if you read it, I'm going to ask you to go back later and spend some time reading it because we don't have a ton of time today. But even Timothy shares with Paul a good report of the Thessalonians. Um, and he also sort of shares with them instructions to continue to live more and more. So these are sort of Christian instructions, especially in light of persecution. Now, how many of you guys know what it means to be persecuted? Some of us sort of know um, because it's, it's something that doesn't feel good when you're being um, punished or you're being, uh, someone is doing something to you because of your feelings, beliefs, yes. that sort of thing. So the Thessalonians were being persecuted. But Paul's encouraging them, especially the new converts, because a lot of them were new converts in their trials. Um, he's giving them godly, cons- uh, godly excuse me instruction concerning how they were to live. Um, and then he was urging them not to neglect their daily work. So you'll see that, too, which people were trying to wait around for God to come back. So oftentimes this text is called the ecclesiastical um, books, and that word just means end times. Um, okay, so we've got in this chapter, in these last few verses, Paul is giving a summary of some Christian virtues. Um, we are called as believers to rejoice to pray, and to give thanks no matter what. Why do you think that is? Um, Well, it's sort of plain in the text, so we'll explain it a little bit. Check out that very last sentence in verse 18. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, if you're writing anything down, you're taking any notes, I really only have one point today. But the point is, it is God's will for us to be joyful and thankful no matter what our circumstances are. I'll say it one more time. It is God's will for us to be joyful and thankful no matter what our circumstances are. Okay. Um, Now, that's not really easy to do because our circumstances sometimes can dictate how we act, right? Sometimes our circumstances gives us Um, reason to react in a certain way. But the Bible is telling us a very, a very different thing for Christians, that we're not just to be happy when things are good, but we're supposed to be thankful no matter what. Okay. Um, If we look at joy, joy is the appropriate response at all time for the Christian. Um, people, like I said, we're naturally happy when things are going well. I rarely see my friends complain um, when things are falling into place in their life. Uh, you never see anybody say, oh, my gosh, I just got a raise and a promotion. What was me? Ah. You, you don't see that. Oh, my gosh, I just got a new car. Ah. You, don't, you don't see people um, upset when things seem to go their way. It's the very opposite, when things aren't going our way, that we usually – Have a hard time, right? Okay. Um, Like I said, however, our joy as Christians, it's not dependent on our circumstances, but it comes from what Christ has done for us. I want you to get that. It comes from what Christ has done for you and for me. In Titus 3, 5 and 7, I'm not through 7, I'm not going to read it all, but it basically says that he saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal uh, by the Holy Spirit. So we know that it's not anything that we've done, but he has saved us. That gives us reason for our joy. So when it says give thanks in all circumstances, very similar to the idea of joy, Um, as I said, as Christians, we ought to be continually thankful for what it is God has done for us, right? Um, Because it's not just the fact that we have clothes on our backs, right? It's the fact that he's given us air to breathe. It's the fact that he has given us, the fact that we are here today, sitting here, is actually a blessing when we, you know, very well couldn't have been here. There are people who were here a week ago who are not here today. That he's he's given us this day. Um, Ephesians 5:20 says, "Giving thanks always." Ephesians 5:20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in our name and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you one little nugget here on pray without ceasing. We're not going to spend a lot of time here because I want us to get into. Um, the rest of this. And again, like I said, I won't be up here too long, but uh, pray without ceasing. Do you guys know what that means? Some of your versions, if you have the NIV or other versions might say pray continually. That means don't stop. Continue to pray, no matter what the circumstances look like. I loved what uh, Pastor Marcus said to us when he was looking at uh Matthew 14 a couple of weeks ago, and in particular, he focused on the context in which Jesus prayed. If Jesus had to pray, how much more do you think we need to pray? So, knowing that, uh, Ephesians 6:18 also says this. It says, "Pray at all times in the Spirit, and with all prayer and supplication." And then, like I said in Matthew 14. 23a it says and he and that was jesus had dismissed the crowds and he went up on the mountain by himself to pray jesus also prayed there's an emphasis in scripture that we see on the need for prayer now why is that important do you think that we need prayer to sort of help us to be joyful yeah sometimes we have to pray for those things we have to pray that god help us to be joyful because not all the time we're feeling joyful Um, But we have reason to be joyful, again, because what he did for us on the cross. And I want us to focus on what he did. Um, When it says, if you can go back to that verse one more time, it says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. How many of you know what the will of God is? Don't raise your hand if you don't know. I'm going to tell you. Okay, so there's two meanings for the will of God, typically in scripture. So I'm going to break down the two of them. And I'm going to ask you, which one do you think we're talking about here? I'm also going to give it to you, but um, so one, we have God's sovereign will, which would be called the will of decree. Now, some of you are like, I don't know what that means. What are you talking about? Well, that really is God's sovereign plan, meaning that it will come to pass no matter what. So if you can understand what the will of God is in terms of God's sovereign will, so I said there's two, the will of decree or God's sovereign will is it's going to come to pass no matter what. Let me give you an example. In Matthew chapter 26, um, verse 39, you see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we see that he is going to die. And so he says, and going a little, it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but you, as you will." Yes. Okay. So that will—that's interesting, right? So if you think about it, Jesus is in his human nature, simply saying, in my human nature, I don't relish the thought of sin, or excuse me, relish the thought of nails going through my hand tomorrow, right? So if the plan could be adjusted, that would please my flesh because I'm an ordinary person, right? Um, Who doesn't like nails in my hands. Now, that was Jesus' earthly part of himself. He was fully God and fully man. So this is not sin talk, but, you know, he's really saying, your will be done. Meaning, we know that God had a plan. Do your plan. So this is God's sovereign will, that he's going to always execute. So we know that he had a plan that Jesus was going to die to save you and me, right? So that's what we would call the sovereign will of God. Cannot be changed. Cannot be adjusted. Um, Second Will that we see in Scripture? We see this quite often, actually more often, is what we call the will of command. For example, Thou shalt not kill. Um, again, we'll give another example. Jesus in Matthew seven twenty one says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father." So, what does that even mean? Only those who do the will of my Father enter my presence. Um, which means that some do and some don't, right? Some do and some don't. Therefore, the will of God is done by some and not by others. So this means that this will of God doesn't have that same meaning as the first one, because the first one is always done without fail. And this one is disobeyed. um, So we see that the will of God here isn't the same. Let me give you another example, because that one sometimes confuses people. So let me give you another one. Um, 1 Thessalonians, again, we're in the same book, chapter 4, verse 3, it says... This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now, have you? No, some haven't, right? Some did not fulfill the will of God um, in their life for that purpose, right? So if the will of God is, is sanctification and to abstain from all sexual immorality, um, did you look at porn this week? Did you do something that was outside of the will of God? So dozens of folks, maybe some folks in this room, have broken this will. You contradicted it. You canceled it. Um, this was the will of God that didn't happen in your life because you you, you did these things, right? So not saying that God doesn't love you, but that's the sort of difference here. Um, one is one that uh, we would say would be a, a command. Um let me give you uh, another one. It says, First, first John 2:17, "The world is passing away in all of its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever." Again, some do, some don't. No. Therefore, we have sort of two meanings here of the will of God. One is His sovereign will again, and one is His moral will. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can look at a bunch of other scriptures that sort of outline the moral will of God, which is, is good for us as Christians to do. Um, so which one do, we, do you think we have here, if anybody has to guess? All right, I'll just give it to you. It's the will of command. It's saying here that we ought to make thanksgiving, that we ought to make gratitude, continual prayerfulness, and joy a practice in our lives. That's what it's saying, that we ought to make joyfulness, um, continual prayer, and thanksgiving a practice in our lives. Do we always do this? No. We don't always do this. And, and that's what we're, what's saying here. Some of us have broken this, and it's okay. We're all guilty of it. I'm super guilty of this. Sometimes I'm just not a thankful person. I'm not rejoicing in all of my circumstances. Sometimes I rejoice when I'm happy, and sometimes I don't rejoice. Um, but what God is calling us to do is to rejoice, but not for just any old reason. We're not just rejoicing to rejoice um, because, again, anyone can rejoice when things are going good. It's it's the when things are bad. In Romans chapter 1, actually, verse 21, I think somebody wants to find it for me. Great. Um, I believe it talks about um, those that were uh, not of God. So the godless folks did not give thanks to him. So you see that. So there's a difference there between the thanks that folks give, uh, no thanks to God versus thanks to God. Um, thanks being uh, a sign of, of the Christian, of the will of God for us, or the will of command that we would be these things um, in him. Okay. So how do we cultivate this heart of gratitude, right? How do we actually make this a reality for our lives? Well, I'm going to tell you that there's really only one way to do that, and that's John... 14.6, um, I'm the way, right? Um, Jesus is the way. He's the only one. He shows us how to do that. And here's where he shows us. And I loved this study and actually choked me up a little bit when I was uh, doing this because um, I loved to see um, just how much God cares for us and loves us and how you can see Thanksgiving um, in, in, through what Jesus did. So we're going to look, and if you want to go there, it's Luke. Twenty-two. We're almost done. Luke twenty-two, verse nineteen. You with me still? Okay. Thank you. All right. I'm gonna. If you can find it, that's great. If not, I will read it. It's Luke twenty-two, verse nineteen. Okay. He's gonna read the King James. I'm reading the ESV. So just listen to this one. If you don't have your Bible, take a listen. You can look on the board, but it's gonna read a little. Different. It says this, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, look at that word thanks, okay, highlighted if you have a Bible, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Yes. Okay, thanks. Um, I did a little uh, digging on this, this word, and i had been reading a bunch of stuff, so I'm going to give you um, the Greek word for this. I'm going to spell it for you because it's kind of long. Um, it's eucharisteo. And you're like, okay, what? It's E-U-C-H-R-I-S-T-E-O. Now, according to Ann Voskamp, who, who wrote a book on this, that word that Jesus uses, thanks, is eucharistera, which is uh, E-U-C-H-A-R-I-S-T-E-O. The root word is charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. And that word actually means grace. Jesus took the bread, and he sought grace, and he gave thanks. He, he took the bread and knew it was a gift, and he gave thanks. So eucharistero, that word means thanksgiving. It envelopes the Greek word for grace, which means charis. Um, but it also holds its derivative um, in the, gr- the Greek word chara, C-H-A-R-A, which means joy. So you see, in this word, when Jesus gave thanks, that the word "thanksgiving" is really enveloped in this. Enveloped, all right. Um, charis, chara, joy, charis, grace, eucharisteo, thanksgiving. Again, chara, joy. Um, in the Last Supper, we see how the gospel is both backward-looking and forward-looking. Um, It really is looking back at this idea of continually remembering something. Why is it important that the Christian remember? Because we forget, right? We forget. And now what is the reason for our joy in that remembrance, in what he did for us? We have reason to be thankful, not because of our circumstances, because of what Jesus did for us. He endured the cross, for you and for me. And so when it says that he gave thanks, that word really describes what it is that we should be, which is thankful, which in, incorporates the word grace in there and incorporates joy, that we should have those things. All right, so we see that it's a looking back. But, but one more thing that it makes us do, it makes us look forward. So you're not only just thankful for the fact that God saved you, um, but you're thankful for our future joy for a future hope, highlighted twice by Jesus in this reference to the future time when the kingdom of God will come. And if you look at verses 15 and 18 um, in Luke 22, you'll see that. All right, a few more points and I'm out of your way. But know that future joy is what propels our thanksgiving and our thankful endurance. Future joy propels our thankful endurance. Um, And what I mean by that is as followers of Jesus, um, means not only looking back to the cross with gratitude, but also engaging with him in present allegiance and looking forward with hope. This forward hope, really, um, in God's kingdom come, provides you know resources for en- endurance and, and a willingness to, to live t- now and to endure it and to remember that we've got something greater to look forward to. Yes. yes, yes. Um, one more thing that also helps us when we think about Thanksgiving, um, if you look at Jesus's thanks, right, and as I mentioned, the garden, right, when he said, if it's your will, I'm asking you be in my flesh that I don't want this to happen. Um, but I know that your will has to be done. So, if, so what we see here is that Jesus's thanks when he's in the Last Supper and he's breaking bread, um, his thanks was not based on his current situation, If you think about it, what was Jesus about to endure? The cross. So if you see the fact that he broke bread, gave thanks, this eucharisteo, this idea of of thanksgiving, of joy, um, of grace, uh, he did it knowing what he was about to experience. So when we look at us and we see give thanks in all circumstances, um, because it's God's will for us in Christ Jesus, This is something that God is is wanting for us to do because it's going to help us endure to the end. Again, he got through the cross not because of he was dwelling on the present, but because he had a future glory, right? Jesus, this is Hebrews 12, 2, says Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith for the joy, see that word again, that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay? So Jesus' eucharisteo was the future joy, right? That he got through the cross, not dwelling on the present reality, but a future glory. Um, If you think about it, too, Jesus, um, we've heard this, that we will experience some discomfort in our lives, and we know that Jesus understands that. Um, Hebrews 4.15, if you're taking notes, write that one down. And again, I can give you my notes because i got all these scriptures in um, in my document. But 4.15, it says, and I'll read it for you so you don't have to turn there, but take notes. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize. What does that mean? With our weaknesses. But one, he understands, right? But one who in every respect... Not in some respects. It says in every respect, Has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then John sixteen thirty three says, I have said these things that you may be, have peace in the world. You'll have tribula- tribulation, but take heart. And here's the kicker. It says, I have overcome the world. So we take heart, not because we go through things, but we know that that. God has given us a future, a future glory to look forward to. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. Last few points, and then and then I'm out of here. I'm going to ask us to do something at the end. Um, all right. So how do we cultivate a heart of gratitude? We remember what it is that He did. We look at Luke 22:19 for that, which was where we see that that He gave thanks. Um. We also recognize that this is but a a light and momentary affliction that we are dealing with. You could check out 2 Corinthians 4.17 for that one. And then like I also said, the third thing here is that we have a future hope. We look to the joy that is set before us. When we think about Thanksgiving, we think about what it is that Jesus did for us. And it helps us to, to be thankful for what we have in our lives. Now, does that mean it's going to be easy to do? Do you think it was easy to, knowing that the cross was coming? No. And does this give us every practical way to live that out? No. But the fact is that when we pray continually and we have a joyful heart and a thanksgiving for what God has done for us, what he continues to do, it helps us to be grateful. It helps helps us to cultivate and grow. When you see that word cultivate, I like the word grow because it implies that there's, at some point, that it's small. And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So thanks, thankfulness is not one state of mind. It is a, it's, it's huge. It can continues to grow. It can, it's something that God continues to work in us um, and through us. Okay, so those three points. Remember what he's done for us. Recognizing that this is a momentary affliction. Um, but then also recognizing that we have a future hope. I have one quote that I'm going to read, and then I want us to do something. Um, I want us to read a few scriptures, and then we'll, we'll be we'll be out of here. I think I'm almost done. Um, there's this quote by John Piper, which I loved. It said, our aim of all human life is that God in Christ be displayed as infinitely valuable. So the best thing that we can do in our life is to display Christ as the most valuable thing to us. And if we look at him as being valuable like that, it helps us to be grateful for the things that we have and the things that we don't have. Um, I often wonder, you know, why don't I have that, God? Or why didn't that happen to me like this? Or why don't I have this in my life? And, and I've come to realize that everything he's given us is for a reason. Um, everything is even in season. So there are some times when you're just not ready for it. Yeah. It's not the right moment for you to have certain things. It um, doesn't mean you don't stop praying. doesn't mean you don't stop thanking God for what it is that you do have. And you work towards that future or whatever it is. Um, sometimes we like to skip the process. I always say that. I, am, I love to do that. <laughs> I like to see you over there. I'm a planner. Everyone knows that in my family. I like to plan. And so if I can't plan the whole thing out, then I don't want to do it. But I think part of this is also understanding that there's a journey that there are steps that you're not really going to see, but God is leading us somewhere. All right. So I want us to read a few scriptures that can help us be thankful. Um, There are a lot of them. So again, like I said, if you have notes, if, if you want my notes, you can have them. I'm going to let you go in a few minutes. But if somebody who has a Bible can grab Psalm 717. Anybody? Just raise your hand if you can get it for me. I'm going to ask somebody else to get Psalm 28, 7. Someone else can get Psalm 95, verse 1 through 3. And can someone else get Psalm 100, 4 through 5? All right, I need one more reader. Who, can, who wants to do it? You got it? Okay. If you can read Psalm 136, 1 through 5. Now, whoever has the first one, if you could just stand up, I want you to read it aloud. And then when that person is done, the next one read. And the next one, and the next one. 717. Yep, read it loud. All right. Who's got Psalm 28 7? Go ahead, stand. Yes. All right. 95, 1 through 3. Go ahead. If you don't have it, somebody skip to 104, and 5. 95, 1 through 3. 104 through 5. Go ahead. with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His mm-hmm. faithfulness continues through all generations. That's right. Amen. Alright. 136 1-5 through 5. Amen. Alright. I'm going to read you three more and then we're going to close. Again, the heart of, of gratitude. Here are a few more verses. 2 Corinthians 9.15. It says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Colossians 1.12. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2.6-7. Therefore, as you receive Christ the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And here's the last one. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Um, I'm going to pray for us. That was uh, Colossians 3.15. If you just bow your heads, I want to pray for us as we close. God, we thank you for your sovereign will. We thank you that you um, are, are perfect in every way and that you have, have called us to, to be thankful, to be joyful, and to pray always. And we know that the way we can do those things is by looking to the cross, by looking to what you did um, on Calvary. And and we just, right now we pray for everybody that is in this room. If we are struggling with how to be thankful, how to be grateful when things are just looking so grim, help us to realize that we have you to lean on, help us to show us what those ways are in particular that we need to ask for help. Um, pray without ceasing means that we are continually bringing it before you. So I pray that we would get specific with our prayers, that we would put before you the things that we need your help with, that we would be joyful no matter what, that we would be salt and light, and that you would help us each day to cultivate a heart of gratitude, to grow it more and more so that we could share it with others. Um, We thank you right now, and we just pray that you would, would continue to be with us as we leave this place. In your name we pray. Amen.